These are Bora Voices. Hello, Bora. Welcome to episode 14 of the Bora Pridecast. Coming to you with some stories about love for February 14th. Uh, as usual, we will have uh, several different things in our episode this month. We have got the prep period cold call. We have uh, some poetry devoted to love from some students and relationships from students that you will hear. Also, a shout out for the National Recitation Contest of Poetry, Poetry Out Loud. Uh, we'll hear from a couple of contestants in that fine program. And uh, we'll listen to some Bora drummers uh, beat up on some djembes. It's going to be fun. So, Beats of the heart. That's right. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you're in love. <laughs> <laughs> Do I? I don't know if I do. If you are, great. If you're just looking for love, uh, this isn't a dating service. It's just a podcast. But, uh, of course, we want everyone to be happy. These are Bora voices. Dear future Bora attendees, you will experience love. People will say you can't love so young, but you will. You will love how the quad lights up at the beginning and end of the year. You will love how brightly colored the teacher's rooms are. You will love how your friends smile at you in the hallway. You will love the cheesy quotes that are painted in the halls. You will love the sound of live music coming from the music rooms. You will love it all, or not, but you will have to leave and it'll be painful. I hated heights, but I knew she loved the Ferris wheel. The fair did only come once a year, and this question would only be asked once in a lifetime. As the rickety red cart got closer to the top, the small velvet box in my pocket became heavier my stomach became more twisted. The next five minutes were going to mean everything. I guess I shouldn't have looked over the edge. I loved her and I knew she loved me. I knew because she said yes, even though I ruined her favorite outfit on her favorite ride. The world narrowed into this one single moment. It had been a fun night, sure, but I didn't know how to respond. I had no time for a relationship and we had made such great friends. This moment would define everything. I didn't want to continue this relationship, but I didn't want to lose our friendship. What did I do? Hug him? Send awkward finger guns his way? Maybe a kiss? No. Instead, at this critical moment, I stuck out my hand and gave my homecoming date a firm handshake after he walked me to my door because I'm emotionally inept. These are Bora voices. Hello? Hello, Miss Smith. Pat Rose here with the uh, prep period cold call. Do you have a minute to talk? Absolutely. Fantastic. Tell us what you're teaching and how long you've been here at Bora. Okay, uh, this is my fourth year at Bora High School. I'm teaching AP Psychology, General Psychology, and then Practical Law. And what did you do before you came to Bora? Um, well, I've kind of worked my way around the district. I graduated from Boise State and uh, was here at Bora for a while as a long-term substitute and was lucky enough to get a job here. Good. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. Well, I hear all you. sorts of wonderful things. Well, thanks. Glad to be here. Good, good. Um, question for you. Valentine's Day is coming up, right? And we want to know, not everything, because it's only a five-minute segment, but all the good stuff about the psychology of love. Why do we love? Where does it come from? Um, and that butterfly feeling in our stomach and all of that. Tell us, tell us about the, the mysteries behind that. Ooh, the mystery behind it. Wow, that's a, it's a tough question, but it ultimately starts with attraction, which is a very chemical uh, concept. There is sort of a, 
an, three ingredients for attraction that can ultimately lead to love. Um, the first is proximity. We have to be close to the people that we're attracted to. If you think about it, um, you're not going to be attracted to somebody you never meet. Uh, one of the number one indicators and in people end up getting married has to do with how often they're exposed to that person. Okay. So the more you're around that person, the more you end up liking them. Okay, so that's why I want to marry my dog, right? <laughs> exactly. So I'm around her all the time. And hey, they're cute. But... Cute, sweet, nice, <laughs> intelligent for dogs. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So proximity is sort of that first ingredient. Um, the second is a physical attraction. Now, ultimately, we base physical attraction on cultural standards. What is considered attractive varies from culture to culture. But what's interesting is we also are attracted to asymmetrical faces, or not asymmetrical, but symmetrical faces. So we like symmetry. Right. The symmetry makes supposedly you're, you're, you're prettier by definition. Exactly. Correct? Right. And the weird part of this is we also seek out people who look most like us. Really? Really. So there was a study conducted where people took um, an image of of the subject and they morphed it into a different face and then they asked them to compare that face with other faces and rank them in order of attractiveness and every single time people choose their face. Is that, I mean, say, or I'm going back to the dog thing. So, so many <laughs> times you see somebody and their dog looks just like them. Yep. So same, same kind of idea? Same kind of idea. Huh. Yeah. Kind of interesting. So the third, the third ingredient to this is similarity. And again, that can be similarity in physical features, but it can also be similarity in attitudes and beliefs and interests. Values. Right? Yeah, exactly. So all of those, if, if that lines up, then we can fall into what you alluded to earlier is called uh, romantic love or passionate love, which is, you know, those butterfly feelings over the top, you know, head over heels goodness, if you will. So that passionate love really is immediate desire to be with someone and has a lot to do with uh, a sort of a cognitive arousal and the way we label being excited to be with that person. Mm -hmm. does, that, does that fade over time? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that will fade, typically speaking, that lasts anywhere from about a year to two years. Really? And then, and then it just turns into a different kind of love. It does. It morphs into what we call companion love. So it matures into a very deep affection and sort of an attachment. And here, the idea is that the desire doesn't necessarily go away, but that attachment sort of is the new focus. We want to be attached. Um, all of the hormones that we have in that passionate love phase, like dopamine and testosterone and adrenaline, it sort of gives way to a different hormone called oxytocin. And oxytocin is what makes us feel and it's sort of a bonding agent between people. Hmm, interesting. Okay, let's go back to that that early love. Okay. Okay. So, so what's happening? Okay. So you got you got the dopamine and all of this wonderful things going on chemically. Mm -hmm. um, why do we always say that that it's from our heart? Who? That's a great question. Well. That butterfly feeling, again, it relates back to that arousal. And that passionate love really comes from um, a physiological response that gives way when we see another person. So our heart begins to pound. Uh, adrenaline is released into our system. Dopamine increases. Like, it, it truly is a physiological response. But really how we get to this idea like, oh, it means I like them, is we label that in, in our brain. We say, oh, I like this person. 
Mm-hmm. That's really all it is. It's our head telling us this is what this, these feelings must be. And is there anybody out there um, that doesn't feel love? Is there, it's like, you know, some people don't feel pain, for example, right? Yes, there are a group of people that, um, so we would label them with what's called antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And it's harder for them to uh, understand uh, those those feelings. They would label those feelings as something different. They would than... still feel it, just label it differently. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely fascinating. Um, we're past our five-minute mark. Okay. I really, really appreciate you. Bora loves you. <laughs> and um, keep doing what you're doing. Well, I love Bora, too. Thank you so much for calling. All right. Bye-bye. Have a great day. You, too. Bye-bye. These are Bora voices. Uh, good afternoon. Welcome to, actually, I guess, the second Friday in the library. Uh, my name is Chuck McHenry. I am an English teacher at this very school and have been for a quarter of a century. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Poetry Out Loud, or I am, which is a national poetry recitation contest. Uh, every high school in the nation can uh, send one representative to the national championship in April uh, for prizes. Uh, first prize is $20,000, which used to be a scholarship, and now it's just cold hard cash, uh, which is fairly cool. Uh, our state uh, competition is coming up here uh, in March. And our Bora competition, which I highly recommend you attend if you can, will be in this very library on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, February 12th, at 6 p.m. And we have two of the contestants who will be there uh, to come in here and offer up their memorized uh, poems for recitation. And after they're done, I'll talk a little bit more about the competition, and I may also uh, even read a poem or two, so we shall see. Uh, the first uh, contestant is Grace Atkins, Senior Grace Atkins. Oh, to the Hotel Near the Children's Hospital by Kevin Young. Praise the restless beds. Praise the beds that do not adjust, that won't lift the head to feed or lower for shots or blood or raise to watch the tinny TV. Praise the hotel TV that won't quit its murmur and holler. Praise the room service that doesn't exist, just the slow delivery to the front desk of cooling pizzas and brown bags, leaky, greasy, and clear. Praise the vending machines. Praise the change. Praise the hot water and the heat or the loud cool that helps the helpless sleep. Praise the front desk who knows to wake room 120 when the hospital rings. Praise the silent phone. Praise the dark drawn by thick daytime curtains after long nights of waiting awake. Praise the waiting and then praise the nothing that's better than bad news. Praise the wake-up call at 6 a.m. Praise the sleeping in. Praise the card hung on the door like a whisper, lips pressed silent. Praise the stranger's hands that change the sweat of sheets. Praise the checking out. Praise the going home to beds unmade for days, beds that won't resurrect or rise, that lie there like a child should. Sleeping. Tubeless. Praise this mess that can be left. My name is Amy Wing, and I will be doing an apology for poetry by the Duchess of Newcastle, Margaret Cavendish. I language want to dress my fancies in, the hairs uncurled, the garments loose and thin. Had they but silver lace to make them gay, they'd be more courted than in poor array. Or, had they art, would make a better show, but they are plain, 
yet cleanly do they go. The world in bravery doth take delight, and glistering shows do more attract the sight. And every one doth honor a rich hood, as if the outside made the inside good. And every one doth bow and give the place, not for the man's sake, but the silver lace. Let me entreat in my poor book's behalf, that all will not adore the golden calf. Consider, pray, gold hath no life therein, and life in nature is the richest thing. Be just, let fancy have the upward place, and then my verses may perchance find grace. Uh, you guys did a great job uh, reciting in the library. I just wanted to talk a little bit with you about your technique for memorization and uh, what it was like to do Poetry Out Loud last year for Grace, because she's returning from uh, going to state last year. Uh, she was our Bora champion, and uh, Amy's new this year. And I just wondered what your, like your techniques are and your feelings for poetry and if you're nervous or not. So either one of you or both can start telling me stories. Grace, what was it like to go to the uh, state championship last year? Fun. It was really fun. I think that's the the first thing I would say about it, just because it, it was number one. It was really not, like cool to meet all the other kids from all these other schools in Idaho. I mean, there were like places I didn't even hear about, um, and it was really cool to like meet essentially like one representative from that school, um, and then just kind of talk about poetry. And it was it was also really really nice in the sense of it wasn't like a it wasn't a weird thing. Like it wasn't. It's not like going to a sport championship and looking at the other team and being like, oh, watch out. Like, it was really cool because it's just about the poetry. Um, and Wasn't and there yeah. like a pre-party thing Yeah, they too? had um, – I don't know if they'll do it this year, but they had a kind of like come the day before to the hotel that it was at, um, especially for the kids that were coming from, you know, northern Idaho and all these other places that aren't nearby. And um, – come and just meet each other and stuff and and that's where it was really talking about other poetry like you weren't really supposed to bring your poems or anything just see where you're going to be performing and then meet all these really cool people and have some fun getting to know each other cool yeah. amy you got you have one old poem uh in that mix what uh what sort of how long did it take you to memorize those um I, i'd say it took me I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to say because some of the time I do use to memorize it and some of the time I, I don't exactly. So maybe about a week it took me to memorize because it's with all the doth and hath and the <laughs> archaic language and right. like some missing words too. It's like, huh, how do I get this memorized? And so I, what I did was like, well, Miss Olson suggested that I annotated it and, and I've heard that if I write it down, <clears throat> I might memorize it better. So I wrote it down from memory, like, and see how well I did. Oh, and I, right. And so that kind of helped a little bit. It's like, That's okay. Cool. Grace is not in her head, so I suspect she did something yeah, like that as well. very similar. And then, um, like, annotations too. And then um, I would kind of hold back on highlighting annotations until I had got it to, like, a rusty point of memorization. So then I could highlight the lines that I just keep messing up. Um, whether it's, like, like, in one of my poems, it's the dough. And I kept saying a dough, which you would get marked down for mixing up that word. So I would just highlighted the the. And um, another part was just word order and stuff. Like I wait until the end to kind of highlight those parts. And now you'll never say a dough again. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> well, that's cool. Um, any other like words of advice or 
because uh, um, we're trying, of course, to get as many kids as we can to do this uh, in the coming years. So, you know, we always have uh, a few seniors and even some juniors uh, like Amy, but sophomores are almost always hard to come by. So if you could give them some sort of inspirational words uh, mm-hmm. to uh, consider poetry out loud and next year and the years to come, what, w- what would you say? Uh, I guess I'd say, try, say like to give it a try because it, it would be really interesting to to see like different writing and what that writing can tell you because I wasn't sure what poetry I find into I would find until I looked onto it and just and these ones give like interesting like messages and imagery so I'd say to give it a try at least yeah to see what I happens. mean as a student going in and looking at this poem there's like 900 poems to choose from on there and they give you like biographical information about the poet and uh, words of advice on doing stuff that could help you even as a student, like making a uh, a tone map, I think is one of the things they talk about when you do a poem, like what does that sound like? Uh, one of the things that judges look for in Poetry Out Loud is do you actually understand what the poem means? You know, what is it doing? And it's actually more that than like dramatic acting or anything like that. It's like, are you aware of what the poet had in mind, you know, when they wrote those words? So uh, being able to think about that and recite it at the same time, it's... You know, every year I'm always blown away by kids that get up there and recite these things from memory, and it's it's exhilarating and can be really poignant and moving, uh, just like poetry is. So I'm always uh, uh, it's always an awesome event. I think to see young people such as yourself pouring yourself into poetry like that. So good luck at the competition. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was thanks. such a ghostly. <laughs> 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 yeah. Thanks. Yep. These are board of voices. So why did you decide to bring drums into your classroom? Um, Well, working with Jody from the Agency for New Americans, uh, she she told me that drumming helps deal with trauma and anxiety and stress. So I thought that it was really important to have it for have the drums for those reasons. But I also think it's a great way to honor the culture of many of our students. What has um, Abeli been teaching you about drumming? (laughs) Uh, He's being very patient with me, but he's teaching me different techniques, like how to use different parts of my hands to get different sounds from the drums. So that's been cool. Um, I like, so I've been doing some research about the drums, and the two new drums that we got are called djembe's. And that, uh, the meaning of the, the name of the drum is everyone gathered together in peace, which I think is really cool. Um, and I think that just seeing the students play, you can see that it brings peace to them, um, as well as joy. So.
guys talk to me for a minute about drumming? Where did, um, when did you learn? Like, how old were you? Me? Yeah. I uh, just learned in Africa. <laughs> in the party old? play. Yeah? Yeah. When people have a party in Africa, we come there to play drum in church. Yeah. Yeah? I learned there. Yeah? Uh -huh. Um, do you... What kind of drum do you like working on the most? Uh, this small one and the big one. Yeah. Uh -huh. How about you, Amosi? When when did you learn to drum? Me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In church. In church? Yeah. Okay. How old were you? Me? Yeah. I'm 17 years. When you learned to drum? When how you learned, how old? Mm, I think five. Five years. Yeah. Are you um, teaching Miss Lister how to drum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll try. Yeah. Am I a good student? Yeah, she's a good student. No, it's not because no pay money. I'm not paying money, so I'm a bad student. Okay, can you um, can you teach me how do you hit the drum? Put your hand like this. Like this? These are Bora Voices. Well, that was episode 14, so put an arrow through this heart because it's in love, and I hope you are as well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode. Uh, get ready to hear some Bora alum who work at Bora High School talk about their time here when they were students.